Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio. Welcome to Coach the Coach, helping business coaches deliver more impact in less time. Broadcasting live on the High Velocity Radio Show and the Business Radio X Network. If you're a business coach and want to help more people make more money and own your backyard, go to brxteam.com. Lee, you ready for this, buddy? I am. Hey, it's going to be a fantastic segment, man. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast President with Rockstar Consulting, D, otherwise known as David J.P. Fisher. How are you, man? Living the dream. Excited to be here. Well, D. Fish, that's that's what you like to be called, right? D. Fish? Yeah. <laughs> Picked it up on stage and it's, it's followed me along through the years. <laughs> All right. Well, tell us about your practice. Um, how are you serving folks? Sure. A lot of different ways. I, I've actually... We just celebrated our, our 13th year, which is pretty exciting, and uh, do kind of a, a mix of one-on-one -on -one coaching with entrepreneurs, business owners, and sales professionals, as well as sales training and keynote speaking. And uh, I'm a big writer, so I've written uh, eight books and uh, write usually an article or two a week for various uh, platforms. So any way that I can help people become rock stars, I, I pursue it. And uh, a lot of the area you work in is in the area of networking. Is that right? Correct. Networking, sales, uh, a lot of really kind of combining the uh, the new digital technology tools with old school tried and true communication skills. Uh, so people can really build better relationships and uh, make business happen more effectively. Now, how do you help the business person um network better when a lot of times uh what what do we used to say in here that networking and not working are kind of close together so you got to watch out for that <laughs> yeah i i sometimes have to underline the working part of, uh, of of the networking you know i i think a lot of it just simply has to uh, do with intention um I, my my wife often jokes that uh sometimes i'm going to uh quote unquote network with somebody but really just seems like I'm hanging out, having a beverage with them. Um, and uh, hey, what a great business to be in. Yeah, right. But, it, but it, the, the trick, again, is that idea of that being intentional, being deliberate. Um, I love the fact that I have business clients and colleagues and partners who I would call friends uh, and vice versa. So I think a big part of it is just going in knowing, hey, I'm going to build that human relationship. Uh, because, hey, that's what we're here for, I think, is to, to connect and to build those relationships. But at the same time, I'm going to find out about them, find out about their business. If there's a connection I can make, I, I will definitely offer that. And if there's a way that they might be able to help me out, I'm not going to feel uh, weird about asking for it. And so, again, having that, that focus is, I think, the switch to go from not working to networking. Now, do you find that a lot of people, especially um, now with social media and all these channels are pretty much free in terms of there's no cost to be on there. There's obviously a cost of time and effort to, to, you know, use them properly, but they just kind of spew out all these impersonal, inauthentic um, messages <laughs> in order to, they think they're reaching lots of people, but in actuality they're, they're probably reaching nobody because they're not doing that, service part, that human interaction part of the equation. 
That's exactly right. I mean, I talk about this a lot with people where it's just because you can use a platform and as you said, just spew informational garbage into the world doesn't mean you should. Um, I think for the people that are really finding success with using digital tools to build relationships, it is using them as an extension, right? So using something like LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, whatever your platform is, as a way to engage with people, to find people, and then to, and this word I think is often overused, but it's, it's important, it's to authentically show up as you uh, really are as a person, and then try to provide some service for the people that you are engaging with. And I think when you do that, people can recognize that and they're gonna give, give you a lot more uh, of their time and attention when you do that. But the challenge I think, at least with the entrepreneurs that we see in here, everything's about scale, scale, scale. And everything's like, okay, create the system and then scale the system. And then when you're scaling, it's difficult to, to keep those authentic one-on-one human-to-human uh, connections. Right. That, that's a, um, that is, I think, one of the main stumbling blocks with using these platforms. Um, is the, is, the, is the challenge in scaling it. Um, to be blunt, I don't think that uh, we have necessarily found a good answer for that. Um, for example, technology, uh, and you'll see a lot of software platforms that do this now, marketing automation, CRM, uh, pipeline management. I, I can tell in a heartbeat when I've been sent an email that uh, that person, you know, they didn't actually send that message, right? Right. And they, they go down. I, I, I have people reaching out to me weekly um, trying to connect with me. And I, I usually will accept the connection, for example, on LinkedIn. And I weekly disconnect from people because the first thing that I get from them is a, a canned um, sales pitch. And, and I think that you do have to find a, a balance point that you're comfortable with. I've always found that Scale is good, but the people that you do build relationships with, then you can really leverage it, right? That's where you are going to get the best clients, the best business opportunities, not from just blasting out at scale, but rather really connecting with people so that they do trust you, which is at a premium these days. And, and they will actually take some of their time and attention, which is at a premium, and, and they'll give it to you. Now, do you find that... Um that when people are leaning on the scaling and that that's a concern that that's really not, it doesn't make sense for most business people and most entrepreneurs. Most business people and entrepreneurs don't need thousands of customers or millions of eyeballs paying attention to what they're doing. They need a <laughs> handful of people, you know, some of them, yep. may, it might be 10, you know, on the planet and then they're set for life. Um, but they think that they need more and more and more. And, and we call them in here cosmetrics. They get hung up on these listeners, followers, downloads, things like that that really aren't impacting the bottom line. You're, you're right on the nose there. I, I, one of the terms that I often use is being a micro-influencer. Because too often we look at the, the big influencers. We look at the, the Gary V's and the Seth Godin's and you know, the, the really kind of big names and we think to be successful, we have to be like that. But to be at that level takes a lot of time, uh, a lot of resources, more than most of us have access to, a little bit of luck even at certain points in your career. That's hard. Having a million followers is hard. 
But to your point, yeah, having even 100 people that you can influence and engage with, from there, most you know, entrepreneurs, you're going to find those, those really good customers. And you can build from there. Um, it's it's hard to, as I said, build that large scale um, operation these days, especially when you think about marketing, because everybody can market, because the barriers to entry are so low. But nobody can replace you, right? Nobody can replace your perspective. So if you show up, have that that sphere of influence around you, that's that's when you can do some really good things for your business. Now, when you're working with clients and you're having this conversation do their heads explode because you're telling them kind of probably the opposite of what they think they have to do. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> but, but actually a lot of um, the, the, I guess response is thank goodness. You can almost see like the, uh, the exhale because we have, I mean, these, these platforms are so new. The, the way that we're marketing is so new with the evolution of technology People are afraid of like, hey, how am I going to get, you know, 500,000 followers or 100,000 followers or 10,000 followers even on any of these platforms? That seems really daunting because they've been told that that's what you need for success. But when they actually look at some very reasonable numbers and they can map out a process to make that happen, much, much more doable. And they go, oh, now I have something I can work on. You know, I don't have to be a, Kar- a Kardashian. I can just, you know, be me at my level and still get some really great business results from these platforms. Now, how did you get involved in coaching? What, what's your backstory? Uh, well, you know, I, I fell down, tripped, and what, <laughs> when I stood up, I was a coach. Um, so, uh, actually, I got my start in sales and entrepreneurship. I actually was uh, one of the, the kids around the country who sells Cutco knives, if you've ever run across wow. uh, Cutco. Um, they're awesome. If you don't have them, go get them. They're fantastic. But, uh, I actually ran the Chicago office after college for them. And, uh, that gave me an opportunity at a very young age to, uh, I mean, I, I ran the Chicago office. So I trained over a thousand salespeople was probably running 10 to 20 one-on-one coaching meetings a week and, and really kind of learning by doing. And so that was kind of, kind of my uh, baptism by fire. And when I left that and I, I was thinking about what I wanted to do, I, I realized I was good at selling and I was good at selling people on their goals and their desires, what they were trying to create. So I kind of combined that and just have been, a, have been a coach ever since. Now, do you find that in selling that um, anybody can sell if they have the right tools and confidence or is this, are, are people born salespeople? Yeah. <laughs> so how many hours do we have to debate that? <laughs> uh, I, I actually think, well, first of all, let me say that not just anybody can sell, um, just like not anybody can be an accountant, right? We do have certain formations and um, preferences and skills. That being said, I think the idea that you have to be a people person or an extrovert to be successful in sales, I think that's incorrect. In fact, most of the top salespeople I know are not people that you would look at and think were a salesperson. They're often maybe a little quieter. Um, a little more, you know, introverted, maybe very analytical. Um, but I do think that most people, if you have a desire to be successful in sales, as long as you put the right processes underneath, you, 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 can, you can find success. 
Now, um, when you've worked with so many people, especially, I, I think that was great training to go and, and sell like that at an early age. I think those are, that was a gift. I don't know if you felt that it was yep. a gift at the time, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> but I think like, um, like I think the Girl Scouts selling cookies, I think that's a gift if they use it properly and not have their parents sell the cookies. Um, but I, yep. I think that that's, you know, those kind of, easier sells, not that knife selling was easy, but kind of simpler maybe, but that kind of practice and that kind of repetition, um, that'll serve you for your whole life. If you, um, that, that can be, that's a skill for life. hundred percent, hundred percent. agree. We, we call them life skills, not just knife skills. <laughs> Um, so now when you're working with people, are you tend to be in the, in the B2B world? That's what I'm imagining that that's most of your selling or the coaching that you do is help people in the B2B setting. Yeah, that's a, actually it, it, it spans both B2B and B2C. Um, in fact, I, I got started much more in the B2C world, um, but transitioned into doing a lot of B2B and also a lot of professional services, um, you know, because these days accountants, attorneys, um, financial service professionals, they, they can't just sit there and, you know, expect business to come in. We're all in, in the business development world, whether or not sales is on our, our business card or not. So that that's an interesting point. And that's something that uh, we've seen here in Atlanta is that before the person signed up, you know, they went to law school to be the lawyer. And now they have to be the person who gets a book of business as well. Um, helping somebody through that transition must be a little tricky because they went into their whole career thinking it was one thing and now they realize that it that it's going to involve some skill that they may not be good at or even like doing. That That's exactly right. It's interesting. The uh, LinkedIn put out their emerging, emerging jobs report at the end of 2018. In the top 10 skills that employers were looking for the most uh, and there was the biggest gap, six of the 10 were not technical skills. They were uh, people skills. They were the quote unquote soft skills, interaction, communication, collaboration, leadership. Um, and, and I think you're right. A lot of people are kind of being thrown for a loop because having the technical skills is important, but it's just table stakes, right? You've got to be able to, again, build a business, build, build a client base, all those kinds of things. And so uh, it's, been, it's been good for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's good job security good for, for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do the firms hire you and say, okay, work with all of our team of accountants or lawyers or um, whatever professional service group you're working with? Sometimes. I mean, that's always fantastic when it happens. But to be, um, to be straightforward, a lot of the times it is usually more of a, um, an experienced, uh, like a partner you know, in a law firm, for example, or an accounting firm who's like, wow, I've been running my business, you know, a certain way for maybe a decade, 15, 20 years. And now I'm getting a ton of pressure to build uh, a pipeline to bring in business. And gosh, I just don't know how that, that tends to be a lot of the, uh, a lot of business I get are those people reaching out going, how can I still, how can I still be myself? Right. Cause they're not going to become this slick smarmy sales guy, but how, how can I be myself but yet still bring in the business? And that, that's kind of what I work with them on. All right, D-Fish, this is Stone over here at Business Radio X. I need a little help in my own coaching career. I'm not out in the marketplace uh, providing coaching services to a range of clients, but I do wear that hat. Here at Business Radio X, I find myself coaching 
uh, what we call studio partners. Counting us at the moment, uh, there are nine of these studios, and I'm sort of a coach, a mentor, a resource, a springboard for uh, these other eight folks in the marketplace, and I'm consistently, constantly looking for tools, tactics, knowledge, insight that I can um, capture and redistribute for the benefit of these folks and the clients they're trying to serve. My question of you, actually, I got a gazillion. We're going to have to set up another interview because I know you and Lee have more to talk about. <laughs> but I, the one that I'm going to that I'm going to take my time and use for today, early in the conversation, you used the term canned sales pitch and sort of put it in a in a negative light. You were describing how like people were doing that on on LinkedIn and it came across less than authentic and not very good. Uh, and I agree, and we've all and we've all seen that. My uh, assertion is, and I'd like to get your take on this, and then I have a specific question. Uh, my assertion is that yes, that's one you know very negative end of that continuum. By the same token, maybe equally ineffective and not attractive and um, not advisable is to completely wing it, right, and not have any structure, rigor, discipline, specific language. So I, I wanted to get your take on this on this idea that, okay, yeah, you don't want can, but you don't want total winged, that, that language really is important, and maybe there is some some phrasing, some language with, with the right level of authenticity and semantic weight that we should be aspiring to. And then if so, I'd be real interested in anything you might offer in terms of how you go about transferring that that language to the folks that you're trying to trying to help? Sure. That's a, a, a great question. I am a huge fan, huge fan of sales scripts. Um, that's how I came up as a young salesperson selling knives. And I've been convinced over and over of their value. Um, a lot of people, winging it does not work. The, the best approach I found though, is to use a sales script very similar to how an actor uses a script for a play. You, you use that to make sure you've got the words right. You can work on that beforehand. Um, make sure that you're saying the right information the right way, but then you can actually inhabit that sales script and make it your own, make it authentic. It's not about just taking somebody else's words and just saying them verbatim, but it, again, it, it kind of inhabiting that sales script. You know, when a, an actor is playing Hamlet, they don't change Shakespeare because Shakespeare is pretty darn good. <laughs> And and so I think that when, and this is something that I do still to this day, it's again, what I teach clients is looking at different places where you have interactions with potential clients or clients, again, whether that's a phone call, whether that's an email, whether that's, you know, your quote unquote sales pitch when you're sharing your services and to actually at least at a minimum outline that to so make sure you're hitting the high, uh, high points. And if possible, even just writing it out. Um, you know, when I, to this, I said to this day, if I'm calling um, a potential client, uh, whether it's for coaching or speaking, whatever it might be, I actually write out what I'm going to say just because then I know it's there. Doesn't mean I just robotically read it, but I know where, where I'm trying to go. I have the map in front of me. So that's, does that make sense? I mean, that's kind of, kind of the approach. It's kind of the middle approach. You don't be completely canned but yeah, you you also do not just make it up as you go along. Not, no, I've yet to meet somebody brilliant enough to do that. Uh, so yes, and as to your question, it is helpful, particularly because you've given me 
some imagery that I can call on and maybe even try to translate. I, the, the words you use that are helping me frame this up are inhabit the script. So you really are melding it, molding it, making it your own, maybe trying to, to live into the, the truth of the point and make sure that you cover the right information. Uh, but if I inhabit, what I think I hear you saying is you and I could start out with the same script and I could bring stone to that script and, and, and you could bring deep fish to that script and we each inhabit it in our own way and we can be equally effective. And then I guess, I guess level two of all that is maybe we would also uh, employ that script differently with my buddy Lee Cantor than we might with, you know, my friend Sue Jones. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, responding to the context of your conversation becomes critical. Mm. That, uh, I, I often um, talk about being a sales Sherpa. It's actually something I covered in one of my, my latest books that we have to be sales Sherpas. We have to be guides for our, our customers and our prospects. So like a, a Sherpa, you're going up the mountain, you have a map, you know, so you know where you're trying to go, but Hey, if there's a, uh, a crevice that opened up or there's a storm, you're going to, you're going to call an audible, right? You're going to do something a little different. So context is always important, but you always want to have that, that starting point so that you can feel comfortable, you can feel confident, and you're giving the, the prospects or that potential customer the right information so they can make a good decision. Okay, you just did it again because I have, I have caught myself doing this and candidly some of my, the folks I'm trying to help, that, that imagery, that, that, uh, that illustration of the Sherpa, they got the map and then a crevice appears uh, where their map is. There are those of us, and I'm one of them, who once <laughs> we've committed to a course of action, you know, it's just all systems going and, and, and damned if we don't just walk right off into the crevice, right? <laughs> and we yep, just go with our plan. <laughs> That's funny. Well, thank you for that. Sure. And remember, the map is not the territory, as I say. You know, you have to be able to adapt <laughs> in the moment. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, um, in your career, and you've helped all these people, can you share um, kind of a, a best of a story where you were able to transform somebody and really make a big impact in their career and their business? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll actually stick in that uh, same same vein. We're talking about was working with a um, partner in a law firm, and she very successful. Uh, lawyer, very good at it, but was kind of getting some feedback from some of the other partners and the higher ups that she was going to be able to move forward um, unless she really started bringing business in. And, you know, she came to me, she's like, I, I don't know how to sell. I don't know how to network. I'm actually kind of uncomfortable with that. She, she's like, I, I prefer to sit down with a contract and just, you know, kind of mail, you know, work on that. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I, I just, I don't see how, how it would be successful. So in, in this case, it was actually getting to work with her, kind of talking about some of the things we're talking about today, but also letting her understand that she, she understood how to, I mean, this is one thing I, things I love about networking is we all know how to do it because it really is just about building human relationships. We've all done that before. It's just a matter of, of bringing that into the business sphere. And what was great is, you know, she actually got to the point where, she was having one or two business lunches a week. Um, you know, she thought she had to go to these really big, you know, networking events that are kind of, kind of slimy, right? Pass around just a ton of business cards. She says, I don't like doing that. So she could be authentic. She could be herself. And all of a sudden she was getting 
business. She was getting potential clients. And, and not only did she get the business results, which is always exciting for me, but more importantly, she felt good about it, right? She's like, I can be myself. I, I don't have to be somebody I'm not. And that, that's, that's always a great thing to hear because just like <laughs> selling is a skill that transfers to all different parts of our life and through our life, I think relationship building and networking also does as well. So that was, that was, that's just one off the top of my head. Now, isn't that a lot of your work is kind of reframing selling for your clients? Because a lot of people have this kind of negative perception and the media doesn't help this and movies don't help this <laughs> with the salesperson as that person that's going to say anything just to get the sale and most people, at least that I've run across, that's not really how they behave in real life, that most people are trying to help people and serve people. And they and that's why they get the sale is because they are trying to help. But in the head of the person who isn't in selling, they think, oh, the sales guy is like you mentioned, that used car salesman. And it just, you can't be that anymore, I wouldn't think, in today's world. Yeah, too, yeah, too many people think selling is a four-letter word. And I I. I don't think it was really true that much in the past to, to what you just said. And I definitely think it's not going to apply in the future because one of the things that social media, for example, has really changed is our ability to, um, to vet, to research somebody before we ever really engage with them. And if you're a jerk, that's going to precede you into all of your conversations, right? Right. No, you're not going to get the good testimonials reviews or, you're not gonna have a big network on LinkedIn. All those things are not gonna happen. Meanwhile, the people that are truly being service oriented, and, and I always think that you sell for somebody, you don't sell to somebody, right? You're trying to help them out. And the people that do that, they are gonna get all of the, said the reviews, the testimonials, the connections, the introduction. And so it's a, a self-fulfilling cycle, I guess you could say, it's a virtuous cycle. Uh, when you're doing things the right way. Now, we'd like to ask all of our guests to share one piece of actionable advice for that new coach, the person who maybe hasn't been an official coach before, but they're now getting into coaching. Can you share a piece of advice to help that person um, kind of help their learning curve so they don't have to struggle or suffer as much as maybe you did when you were starting out? <laughs> yeah, uh, Absolutely. Let's stay on theme. I think a great thing a new coach can do is, is reach out and start to build some relationships either with other coaches or with people in the market that you would like to serve, not trying to get business from them, but trying to set the foundation for a relationship that's going to be long-term. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of having the, the cup of coffee or a virtual cup of coffee by phone. You do that once a week even, you add 50 people to your network who can um, give you insight, feedback, um, answer questions. And, and, and yes, some of them won't, might become clients, might become business partners, but you got you to gotta, uh, sow the seeds and you got to cultivate them now so that down the line you'll be much more successful. Good stuff, D Fish. Thank you so much for sharing your story. If somebody wanted to connect with you, maybe get a hold of one of your eight books or listen to your podcast or read one of your many, many articles that you've written, uh, where can they go? Uh, best place online, davidjpfisher.com. 
there's no C in my last name. So uh, David J. P. As in Paul, F-I-S-H-E-R.com. All my books are available on Amazon. It's this little website. I think it's got some legs. I think it's going to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can definitely find me on all the social media platforms, linkedin.com slash in slash IMDFish. And uh, on Twitter, I'm DFish Rockstar. Would love to connect and chat and uh, be of service in any way that I can. All right. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton. We will see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 